Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org slash match to maximize your gift today. This is Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sessingham. Today, highlights from Governor Ron DeSantis' State of the State Address, including the Democratic response from House Minority Leader Keone McGee of Miami and analysis from political reporter and analyst William March. The annual State of the State Address kicks off the new 60-day Florida legislative session. Mr. President, Mr. Speaker, members of the House and Senate and fellow citizens, The Constitution requires me to inform the legislature concerning the condition of the state and to recommend measures in the public interest. And it brings me great satisfaction to report on the promising prospects of our public affairs and to commend the members of the House and Senate for your efforts to make Florida successful. Florida's unemployment rate is near a historic low. We have a AAA credit rating. Florida's public university system is ranked number one in the nation. We're ranked one of the top states in the nation for fiscal health. Florida's crime rate is at an almost 50-year low, and we have no state income tax. Now, it's said that the only thing certain in life are death and taxes, but I'd like to suggest that we have been just a little asterisk to that statement here in Florida. No, I'm not going to promise we can ever forestall father time, but we can say with certainty that we won't have an income tax here in the state of Florida. (laughs) Or a death tax, for that matter. Now, last session was productive on a number of fronts, and I want to thank Speaker Jose Oliva and President Bill Galvano for their strong and dedicated leadership. I would also like to recognize our Lieutenant Governor, Jeanette Nunez, who has led on key issues ranging from healthcare to aerospace. Thank you for your leadership, Jeanette. And as the President has already indicated, We are joined here today uh, by a great First Lady for the state of Florida and my wife, Casey. (laughs) Casey has spearheaded her Hope for Healing initiative to tackle problems facing Floridians in the areas of mental health and substance abuse. She is making a difference and she is only just getting started. We are both looking forward to big things in 2020, including a new baby daughter arriving a couple weeks after the session ends, and that will make it three kids ages three years or under running around the governor's mansion. Chaos will officially reign supreme in our household. I can't tell you for sure how that chaos might affect any vetoes I might issue, (laughs) but stay tuned. Now, in 2019, we took bold steps to expand educational opportunities, protect our environment and natural resources, reform health care, invest in infrastructure, and bolster public safety, all while reducing taxes 
and maintaining healthy budget reserves. While we look to realize this potential, Florida needs to tax lightly, spend wisely, and regulate reasonably. Maintaining fiscal health will provide the type of durable foundation required for the expansion of our economic base, which means more opportunities for the citizens of Florida. We have strong momentum and we need to keep it going. And I think we can keep it going by addressing three major areas. First, we should fund water resource projects at the $625 million level on a recurring basis for the next three years. This will provide needed certainty for these key initiatives and will help us leverage even more federal support. Second, the legislature should pass the comprehensive water quality legislation uh, that I've proposed. The bill represents the initial recommendations of our Blue-Green Algae Task Force that I launched upon taking office. It's based on sound science and provides a roadmap to reducing nutrients in our water. Third, those that spew untreated wastewater into Florida's water bodies need to be deterred from doing so by appropriate penalties. Too many municipalities have failed to invest in needed upgrades to their water infrastructure in part because it's cheaper to violate the law and pay a nominal fine. This is unacceptable and it needs to change. Now we at the state level will also be doing our part to fortify our infrastructure in our areas most vulnerable to increased flooding and rising seas over the coming months, our Division of Emergency Management and Department of Economic Opportunity will be distributing more than a billion dollars in mitigation funds to areas impacted by the hurricanes over the last several years. The bottom line is we have a chance to take bold action to make a lasting positive impact upon Florida's environment. Let's seize this opportunity. Now, over the past year, my administration has been focused on education and for good reason. Low taxes and a healthy business climate are important in attracting investment to Florida, but so too is our ability to produce top flight talent through our colleges and universities, through workforce education opportunities, and through a strong K through 12 schools. Florida has the top ranked public university system in the nation, and we have three universities now in the top 50. The University of Florida is in the top 10, heading for the top five. Florida State is in the top 20, yeah. Florida State's in the top 20, heading for the top 15. <laughs> and USF is in the top 50, heading for the top 25. After watching the game last night, knowing Florida's going to host next year's national championship, I hope that maybe we have a Florida team playing in the national championship again. So there's no question that Florida is cultivating the talent needed to power our economy to new horizons. Let's keep it going and let's do even better. Traditional four-year universities aren't the only way to acquire advanced knowledge or skills, though, and for many, it's not even the best way. Thanks to the leadership of our Commissioner of Education, Richard Corcoran, we've launched an initiative to make Florida the nation's leader in workforce education by the year 2030. And thanks to your support, we're off to a good start. You look around the state, vocational education is making a comeback in our high schools. And students in districts such as Miami-Dade can graduate high school with industry certifications in fields like electrical and HVAC. 
Apprentice programs also offer a great way to equip Floridians with skills that merit gainful employment. It was either Benjamin Franklin or someone or an ancient Confucian philosopher who once said, I was not able to figure out which one said this, but I think the, the, the thought is good. Tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. Once Floridians acquire skills, it is important that they be allowed to employ those skills without unnecessary barriers placed in their way by government. Florida's occupational licensing regime too often hinders upward mobility, oftentimes for low-income workers, because so much of the regime is based not on the legitimate goal of protecting public health and safety, but on keeping people out, creating a guild that benefits insiders at the expense of those seeking to enter many times moderate income professions, ranging from hairdressing to interior design. Our citizens shouldn't need a permission slip from government in order to earn a living. We have a good reform bill in this regard pending before the legislature. It made it to the one-yard line last year. Let's punch it in the end zone in 2020. Our low-income workers also shouldn't have their wages depressed by cheap foreign labor. Assuring a legal workforce through E-Verify will be good for the rule of law, it will protect taxpayers, and will place an upward pressure on the wages of Floridians who work in blue-collar jobs. We are a state that has an economy, not the other way around. And we need to make sure that our Florida citizens from all walks of life come first. Now, our approach to K through 12 education rests on three main components. Number one, recruiting and retaining great teachers in the classroom. Two, promoting educational choice so parents, particularly our low-income parents, can place their child in a good school. And three, measuring results through accountability. Now, I'm recommending that we take the bold step of setting a minimum salary for public school teachers at $47,500. That will bring Florida from the bottom half of states to number two in the nation. This will make it easier for us to get talented college graduates to enter the profession and will help us retain many of the good teachers we have now. Now, my plan will lead to a substantial pay increase for over 100,000 current teachers throughout the state. Now, Commissioner Corcoran has spent the past year working with stakeholders throughout the state of Florida, parents, teachers, you name it, uh, to develop a superior approach that will focus on strong standards, high quality curriculum, streamlined testing, and a renewed emphasis on American civics. We will be unveiling that whole new approach in the coming days. Uh, but I would like to say just one thing about one of the keys to our replacement for Common Core. Uh, it will be having a renewed emphasis on American civics and understanding the US Constitution.
This means understanding the source of our rights. It, understand the it un means understanding the theory of the Declaration of Independence, understanding the structure of the Constitution, as well as key amendments such as the Bill of Rights, the post-Civil War amendments, and the 19th Amendment. This also uh, means developing an appreciation for how these enduring principles animated key points in American history, such as the fight for independence more than 240 years ago, such as the leadership of President Lincoln during the Civil War, such as the activism of the suffragettes who succeeded in securing voting rights for women, an anniversary we celebrate this year, the defeat of Nazi totalitarianism during World War II, the crusade led by Dr. King for civil rights for African Americans, and the titanic ideological struggle against and eventually defeat of the tyranny represented by Soviet communism. In the final State of the Union address for President Washington, he said a primary object should be the education of our youth and the science of government. In a republic, what species of knowledge can be equally important and what duty more pressing than communicating it to those who are to be the future guardians of the liberties of the country, to which I respond, amen. Now, speaking of the Constitution, when I became governor, I was charged with filling three vacancies on our Supreme Court here in the state of Florida. Now, in our system of government, courts play an important role, but it's a role that must remain judicial in nature. When courts exercise legislative authority, they pervert the Constitution and undermine the rule of law. I was mindful of choosing justices who understood the proper role the court is to, in Alexander Hamilton's words, exercise neither force nor will, but merely judgment. And I'm pleased to report that the appointments were well received, so much so that two of the three have already been promoted to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. And they're... And they are both with us here today. We have Judges Barbara Lagoa and Judge Robert Luck. Where are they at? There they are. <laughs> on behalf of the state of Florida, I want to congratulate you both on your new posts, and I want to wish you continued success. And clearly, they're going to still be doing great things for the people of Florida on the 11th Circuit. And to our remaining justices, don't worry. Reinforcements are coming soon. <laughs> With the speaker and president leading the way, the 2019 legislative session witnessed major reforms in the area of health care, from expanding access to telehealth to repealing antiquated regulations. Now, one major initiative that the speaker mentioned in his comments earlier today was to provide access to cheaper prescription drugs by bringing in safe name brand drugs from foreign markets such as Canada. Exact same drug, just a much lower price. Now this can only be done with federal approval and I'm happy to report that the Trump administration is moving forward with the applicable regulations. There's still a long way to go, 
But the fact that we are even discussing this is a major development in this area, and Florida has been the one to lead the way. I'm also happy to report that the work of the legislature in bringing transparency to health care is starting to bear fruit. The patient savings concept enacted last year was based on the idea that reducing health care costs requires one, price transparency, and two, a way for patients who use that information to actually save money. And I'm happy to report that the state of Florida has implemented a patient savings plan for its employees and has already realized millions of dollars of savings. If we can help make this type of plan widely available throughout the state, we could see many millions of dollars in savings for patients, and we need to proceed and get that done. Now, building a culture of life requires us to champion adoption, and Florida is doing much better in this regard. Thanks to the hard work of Secretary Popple and his team at the Department of Children and Families, who made a concerted effort to eliminate barriers for 3,600 children waiting adoption, DCF was able to reduce the number by 32%, making more than 1,100 children who were able to find a forever home. And this was done. And this was done using initial, uh, the existing resources, but by identifying efficiencies, engaging in collaboration with partners and stakeholders, and leveraging the best we can those existing resources. We're working hard to make the adoption process as transparent and user-friendly as possible so that every child can find a loving home. And I also hope that the legislature will send me this session the parental consent bill that was debated last year, passed by the House, but not passed by the Senate. When Christopher Columbus set sail in 1492, his ship, the Santa Maria, carried the flag of Queen Isabella. The flag depicted a castle with the words, knee plus ultra, meaning nothing further, because at that time, Spain was considered the farthest point west in the entire world. Well, when Columbus returned and reported his discoveries he made in America to the queen, she immediately ordered that the flag be changed. The new flag read plus ultra, meaning more out there. Well, in this season of opportunity, we can say there is more out there to achieve for our state. There's no reason why we can't seize this moment and deliver for the people of Florida. God bless you and thank you. You're listening to Florida Matters. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. This is Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sessingham and we're listening to highlights from Governor Ron DeSantis' State of the State Address. Next, we hear highlights from the Democratic response given by House Minority Leader Keone McGee of Miami. Hello, I'm Keone McGee, Democratic Leader of the Florida House of Representatives. Let's talk about our home. 
Florida. Our home state isn't perfect, but I'm here to tell you that it is inspiring. We have a trillion dollar economy, which makes us the 17th largest economy in the world. We have the third highest population and the fourth largest economy in this great country. We are home to the third largest veteran population and considered by many to be the most veteran friendly state to over 1.5 million veterans who call the Sunshine State home. We are known around the world for our incredible tourist industry and our remarkable agriculture. In 2018, we welcomed over 125 million tourists, while our agriculture industry in prior years saw over $1 billion in sales. Clearly, we are a national leader. While these stories illustrate the strength of our state, there is still room for improvement. You are a hard-working Floridian, but our system financially punishes you. You are one of our loyal and unrelenting teachers, but our system forces you to use your personal funds to purchase classroom supplies. You run a mom and pop operation, but you don't receive the same major tax breaks that major corporations receive. And if you are a returning citizen, our system undermines your progress. Our state is known for beautiful beaches and lakes, but our system continuously refuses to address the need for protection. Without a question, for the past 20 years, not nearly enough has changed. The fact is, our state isn't working for you. And I agree with you, we must do better. Since 2000, our budget has nearly doubled from 50 to over $90 billion. And you're correctly wondering, where has all of this money gone when there still exists struggling schools, low wages, a threatened environment, and no pathway upwards. And now that you're thinking, yes, you are correct. You were promised lower taxes, but your lower taxes were given to big corporations while you were saddled with their higher tax responsibilities. Yes, you are correct again. You were promised the version of Florida's American dream, but you were given a nightmare due to our affordable housing crisis after our officials raided $1.5 billion from the housing trust. Yes, you were promised a clean environment, but there has been a systematic and intentional underfunding of environmental protections. And yes, you were promised safer communities, but criminals and gun violence are plaguing our communities instead. And once again, you were promised a high quality educational system for our children, but Florida has fallen to 46th in the nation in teacher pay. A state as great as ours should not be this far behind. Our solution must be simple. We must adequately pay our teachers, protect our communities, address climate change, tackle the affordable housing crisis, and deliver lower taxes to our mom and pop operations. Let's take bold action and bring our state back into the sunshine. For too long, our system has placed you in the shadow of debt, depression, deficiencies, and distress. I know you, and I know you want better. This year, similar to those in the past, my caucus will fight to ensure that you are brought into the sunshine of prosperity, promise, provision, and purpose. The House Democrats are engaged, and we're ready to work. 
Let's move the state forward. This is Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sussingham, and you've been listening to special live coverage of Governor Ron DeSantis' State of the State Address and the Democratic Response. I'm here in the studio with political reporter and analyst William March. So, William, after listening to the governor's State of the State Address, what did you take away from that? What were the biggest points that he made? I guess one thing I'd say, Robin, was the speech was not was not long on specific policy proposals. It was long on praising what's been done recently, what was done in the last legislative session, uh, as opposed to suggesting a lot of new initiatives. I thought one thing that was significant was the first subject he actually proposed new action on was water quality in the environment. And I think that's going to get some notice from the environmental community, is he's coming out strongly in favor of harsher penalties on cities that dump untreated sewage because of inadequate treatment systems. Uh, That arises at least in part from problems that have happened in St. Petersburg. Uh, Other than that, continuing to spend uh, at the rate of about $650 million a year for three years on springs and water cleanup projects. Then he went on to talk about education and the fact that, um, as you said, he talked about things that were going well. The fact that the uh, higher education in Florida is, is top ranked in the country. And also he brought up vocational education, which he said is making a comeback in our high schools. He praised educational choice, which means the availability of charter schools or vouchers for private schools no new specific initiatives in that area, but he promised a new set of academic standards coming soon from the Department of Education. And one specific there is uh, more focus on civics uh, and history in those academic standards. You know, you mentioned he didn't talk too much about anything controversial. He didn't bring up, you know, abortion. He did, he called it, he did mention a parental consent bill, but he never said the word abortion. No. Um, He never talked about climate change or affordable housing. He talked about really the things that he felt like had, were going well and had been going well in the past year. He did, though, mention E-Verify, which is going to be a tricky uh, issue for him. Well, for the most part, Robin, I think what he's done is he's tried to emphasize in this speech areas where he feels like he and the legislature either already agree or can come to an agreement, like asking for the parental consent bill for abortion. He knows that they're eager, that <clears throat> Republicans are eager to pass that. E-Verify is one of the areas where uh, there could be conflict. Uh, he brought that up did not suggest any compromise or suggest where he would be willing to compromise uh, on that issue. He just said it'd be good for the rule of law, protect taxpayers, and place an upward pressure on the wages of Floridians. His point is that uh, low-income workers shouldn't have their wages depressed by cheap foreign labor and that having E-Verify which is when employers have to use a federal immigration database uh, would help with help with that situation. One more thing. Let's see. He talked about he did talk about raising the minimum salary for teachers uh, into forty seven thousand five hundred dollars, which would put Florida at number two in the country for starting teachers pay. That would be a huge increase. That would be that would be a big increase for starting teachers in a lot of, but not all, Florida counties. Uh, Then, of course, in the Democratic responses, you heard the arguments why uh, Democrats and many teachers believe that DeSantis' proposal is inadequate. 
Florida Matters is a production of WUSF Public Media. The engineer is Craig George. The show is produced by Christy O'Shauna. I'm Robin Sussingham. Thanks for listening.